Welcome to the W2 Prison Break Show, a podcast and YouTube series hosted by real estate investor, author, and coach Brian O'Neill. Tune in each week as we interview business owners who have successfully planned and executed their W2 Prison Break. You'll hear their stories, learn about their challenges, and what ultimately pushed them over the edge and gave them the courage to break free. Most importantly, you'll discover they are not much different than you. Listen in each week as we give you useful insights and action items to start your W-2 prison break and get you on the path you are always meant to be on. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the W-2 prison break show. We got a great guest in store for you today. I know I say that every week, but we're going to be talking with Kelly Hatfield today. And she is an entrepreneur at heart. She's got a great W-2 prison break story. Can't wait for you to hear it. She has been developing businesses for the last 25 years. She's developed four businesses, four successful businesses in the recruiting, HR, and leadership development space for the last 25 years with her and her amazing business partners. She's also the host of the Absolute Advantage podcast, where she talks with successful entrepreneurs, executives, and thought leaders across a variety of industries. She loves giving back. She loves educating. She loves helping people. And her most recent venture is Think It, Be It, where she really dives into the mindset piece and how our brain works and how we can change the way we the way we think. So it's going to be a tremendous episode. I can't wait for you to hear everything Kelly has to say today. Kelly, welcome to the show. So happy to have you on. Look forward to chatting with you. All right. Well, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to this, Brian. Yeah, definitely. And you have, before we dive into all the awesome things you're doing in the business world, you've started several businesses over the last 25 years, but you weren't born that way, right? So no. <laughs> there's a there's a story there, and you know, just share with the listeners, you know, before we get to your W two prison break story, what you were doing before that, and then we'll talk about you know how you were able to get out of that situation. Then I want to definitely hear about how you started these businesses. We'll dive in a little bit further there. Okay, well, great. You know, I want to start by saying I didn't start my entrepreneurial journey. I didn't start my first business till I was thirty six. And so I had worked for the same company for 14 years and before I started my first business. But I had always dreamed of being an entrepreneur. Like when I was 17 and was in DECA, I was in, you know, the contests for business plans. And like I just, I knew that that's what I wanted to do was to be a business owner. And I remember interviewing a bridal boutique owner you know, about how she built her business. And, you know, I'm 17 years old and just like, oh, you know, she completely, you know, runs the show. She's in total control of her life. This is what I want to do with my life. Well, then life happens, right? Different things had come up. I moved out of the house when I was just had turned 18, was putting myself through school, fell into a job. Well, let me back up. I worked for one year at a company called GTE Directory. So this is going to really date me, which was already done when we talked about 25 years of entrepreneurship, Mm -hmm. but it was selling yellow page ads. So for those of you listening, there used to be a book that we have (laughs) 
that had ads, you know, in it for companies, local companies. And that's what I did. And I went through training. They sent me, you know, for four weeks of training. And I knew at week three of training that I hated the work. I was like, I do not want to do this, but I made a commitment and I didn't want to look like I was jumping around. So I'm like, I will do this for one year and I'll learn everything I can. And then I'll make a move. I'm not sure what that'll be. Well, it was the most miserable year of my life. (laughs) And on the one year mark, again, dating myself here, I went to to the newspaper under the employment section and I applied for a position through, you know, the newspaper. Yeah. And that was my job with a staffing firm that I worked at for almost 14 years before I left to start my own business. And I knew by day two that I had found, like, I'm like, I love this work. Like I love helping people. I love the impact that getting somebody in the right career and in the right job has on somebody's life and how that ripples out into their family, their community. You know, you all know if you're in a job that you're miserable in, it impacts every area of your life. So So I loved that kind of work. I loved being able to help people and get them lined up in their right position. So, you know, you're 10, you know, and I've got a mentor that I'm working with and we're having the same conversation where I'm like, I've got this desire to go like, I love this work, but I could do it so much better. You know, like I could take the best of this business, the recruiting business and the human part of it and what I love to do. And I know I could do it better on my own. Hmm. And so these thoughts were going through my mind and I had this mentor and we're having the same conversation. We had a monthly lunch where we would sit down together. And he said, Kelly, you have this same conversation. We sit down and we have this very same conversation every month. And he said, let me ask you a question. He said, how would you feel if we were having this very same conversation three years from now? And the first word that came to mind was disappointed, Hmm. that I would be disappointed in myself if three years from now we were having the same conversation. And he goes, well, if not now, when? When are you going to make this move and do it? And so it was like that cold glass of water or proverbial like bitch lap that I needed to start to make a change and start to make those little incremental steps so that I was ready to transition into doing this on my own and starting my own recruiting firm, which is what I ended up doing in 2008. So it's a good time to start a business. (laughs) It was, I cried almost every other day on my way home because I rented space. We did everything, you know, and I went into it with my business partner. We left the company we worked at and we started it together. And it was in the depth of the recession. Nobody was hiring. I mean, everybody was hiring. (laughs) And, you know, what was really interesting was that the company we were working for, we had sat down with us and said, hey, we're going to have to lay off. We just want to make sure that you're all in and committed before we lay off other individuals because I'd been there for so long. Mm-hmm. And obviously we had been impacted tremendously by the what was going on. And we said, well, actually, you know, we've got office space rented in two months from now. We were planning on leaving. <laughs> and so that the wheels started in motion more quickly, you know, gave my 30-day notice and was on my own. And then wow. sat in that office space 
you know, I was lucky. I started with somebody and we did our exit interview in the morning at the mm-hmm. company. And in the afternoon, we were sitting in our new office space and we both just kind of <laughs> looked at each other. We're like, now, now what? You know what I mean? So um, that's kind of the my trajectory and my story of how I started or kind of the catalyst for starting my first business. I love that story. So I mean, you were I took down some notes here, I'm going to just unpack it a little bit. So entrepreneur at heart, 17 years old, you're interviewing people and asking about business. So it was in you just took you a while to get there. I love the yellow book. And you know, it's really kind of disappointing they don't send that to the house anymore. You know, (laughs) they used to mail it, they used to mail it every whatever it was once a year. And don't get that anymore. Um, nope. No, but the comment you made about your mentor, and I'm going to bring great stuff. I mean, how did you find your mentor? So this was actually somebody who I had found. She was my DECA. I was introduced to him through my DECA teacher in high school. So, and he was just a business owner, a influential business owner. He's since passed away. And um, his name was Ralph Pullman. And then he actually was somebody who was connected to the staffing firm that I started working for back in 1995. (laughs) So you're having lunch with Ralph once a month. And he asks you this just awesome question, basically like, you know, Mm -hmm. what are you doing? Why are we coming here? Why are we coming here? How would you feel in three years? If he didn't ask you that question, do you think you would have started the business? I would have eventually, like, like I'm a firm believer in like, you know, without getting too woo woo or anything like that, like you're exactly where you're supposed to be mm-hmm. and what, you know, the path that you're walking is exactly the one that you're supposed to walk. And I think this path to entrepreneurship, whether it was him saying that something else, I'm also into a lot of how our brains work and like my reticular activating system that really is kind of your filter for your life was like honed in on this dream that I had. So it was looking for ways to bring this into my life. And so I think I would have eventually gotten there, but it was, like I said, that cold glass of water and that thing that I needed to hear that really was that catalyst. If it wasn't that, it probably would have been something else in another conversation up the road, but yeah. Right, right. No, excellent. You definitely attracted it into your life. Okay, so you're in 08. And you're in the office and (laughs) nobody's hiring, everybody's firing. So, I mean, give us kind of the short version of what happened next, because obviously it worked. You have a successful staffing company. So tell us a little bit more. And maybe, well, let me just back up a second too. When you left the job, the staffing company, what was that like? I mean, was that because when I left my job, I had all these fears circling around what they were going to say. Like I was scared to tell them I was leaving. And just because I'd been there for so long, I mean, did you have similar emotions around that? And how did that conversation go? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had the utmost respect for these women. They were two franchise owners that I worked for who had taken really good care of me. I had learned a lot from I had stopped growing though years before, like I should have left at least two or three years before I did because I was on autopilot. I didn't even have to think about what I was doing. It was just, I literally, it was like groundhog's day every day, you know? And so, but I am an extremely loyal person and I knew the impact that me leaving, and that's not, I don't mean that to sound egotistical or anything, but I knew what an integral part I was. I ran that, their business for them and how that was going to impact them and how it was going to change their lives because they were in the optimal situation where 
They were just checking in and doing their own thing as entrepreneurs. They didn't have to work in the day-to-day. And I knew that this change was going to bring them back into the business, which wasn't necessarily something that they wanted. Hmm. But this is really interesting. So I felt an extreme sense of loyalty, sick, sick, leading up to the few days leading up to when I finally decided, like literally have a physiological response to having to have this conversation and just feeling sick to my stomach, you know, because I knew and I cared about them. Here's the thing, though, that I'd like to say. I learned something the hard way through that whole experience. And that is that it's business. I was replaceable. You know what I mean? Putting my dreams on hold to stay and like their care and concern and love for me was connected to the value that I brought to their organization. As soon as I was no longer bringing value to the organization because I was leaving, it was, we're done. Right. You know, I spent a month there and, you know, wrapping things up and everything and they were great, but it's business, you know, and I think we sometimes have this false sense of loyalty and think that, oh, you know, it's really going to be a bad thing for this company if I leave, you know, be careful about letting your ego get in the way. And and I think, you know, Brian, sometimes too, our brains and, and one of the businesses that I'm involved in is a company called Think It Be It. And it's a human performance, human behavior company. And we work on mindset. And there's, so there's a lot of things that we talk about with the brain. One of the things that you need to understand about your brain is it's got two jobs, efficiency and safety. And so when you're thinking about leaving a job that you've been at for a while, right away, it's already creating, like when we're just thinking about efficiency, Think about all of the change and how hard your brain is going to have to work to learn something new, to get into a new. So it's like starts to put the brakes up a little bit for you. Like, oh, you know, whether you realize this is happening or not, it's happening in the background. And then just the whole idea of change and being uncomfortable. Its job is to keep you safe and cozy. Leaving your safe comfort zone is a threat as far as your brain is concerned. It's like, whoa, wait a minute here. And so be aware that those are some of the things that were happening. Like the excuses I was making for staying weren't really valid excuses. They were ways that my brain was kind of throwing up some of those obstacles to keep me in my safe little place. And so that was a hard lesson for me to learn after I gave notice was that this was business. It was a transaction. They were paying me to do a job and I did that job and I brought value. And so I don't know, how do you feel about when I Uh, say that? that, I'm so glad we're having this conversation that you explained it in that way. And thank you for being vulnerable as well. People need to hear this because you are expendable. It is business. And, you know, you disrupted their situation by leaving. And look, life goes on without Kelly. Life goes on without Brian. Like I used to think that I'm like, well, if I leave, the company is going to implode. You know, and they were like, hey, my situation is a little bit different. They said, look, we support you. We think you're making a great job. We think you're making a great decision. Obviously, we want you to stay, but you got to chase your dreams too, which floored me because I thought they were going to, I was like you, I was sick to my stomach. I, you know, I was having call reluctance. I can't call them up, you know, so it was a very similar situation. And again, I just created, I created this whole thing in my head. And I think it, like you had said, it was really related to me trying to talk myself into staying. 
And we as humans are very good at that. We can talk ourselves into anything. We can talk ourselves out of anything. And it's easier to stay in the job. And my mentor, the help that I got from my mentor, one of the biggest pieces of advice is that I ever received from anyone was the job is the risk. Like if you stay there, you're at risk. Like the insurance, the benefits, the steady paycheck, like that's not a benefit. All that stuff is you're just making it up in your head. They can let you go at any time. And, you know, I fortunately survived three rounds of layoffs after 08, but I easily could have been let go easily. I just, I was a salesperson and, you know, when they fired the salespeople, the whole company's going out of business. Exactly. You know what's happening next. (laughs) But no, really, really, really great share. I love that. And okay, so you're back to your staffing company. So how did you build that during that time frame? Because that must have been just a super challenging time to do anything. It was. And I'll tell you a couple of different things. So I was, I don't know whether fortunate enough is the right word, but I'd been through the recession that came. So in the staffing industry, I'd been through the recession that came with Mm 9-11 you know, and then I'd been through the recession at the beginning of the recession, you know, as we were 2007, eight, you know, moving into nine, I'd been part of that. Like, so I knew what worked to get us out of the recession after nine 11. And so the other thing too, I had a safety net as far as money was concerned, you know, and like, I was getting down to like rationing shampoo you know what I mean? Like the shampoo that I loved, like making sure that I was only using a little bit or not, you know, like there were sacrifices that had to be made for sure. So that I was able to make this move because I planned on not having any income for the first 12 months. So because of the time that we were in and nobody was hiring. Yeah. So here's what we did. We chose to utilize that time to build relationships, to I knew what had worked in my former roles, and we decided to immerse ourselves in one organization, American Council of Engineering Companies, because our staffing and recruiting firm was focused on engineering professionals. And we showed up at everything that they had, gave any expertise that we had. There were some people who were nice enough that took us under their wing and taught us the ropes as far as the engineering, just that business is concerned and the organization. We just kept making the calls. We kept taking all of the right actions, knowing that when the faucet turned back on, you know, that it eventually would turn back on. And if we did all of the right things, we would be setting ourselves up for success. And that's exactly what happened. So it was two years. So it was like 11 months before we made our first dollar. And then year two, we were fully supporting ourselves and had replaced our W-2 income. Beautiful. Year three. 150% increase for 150% increase by year five, we were grossing eight figures, you know, so it was relationship. We had a laser focused mission on, it was just like, do the right things, just make a little progress each day. And we're not going to measure our success by the number of jobs we get in, or we're going to measure our success by the number of meaningful conversations we have with people. And by how many people we add to our network. And because otherwise it would have been so discouraging and disheartening had we not figured out that we just had success had to look different and we had to reframe that so that we could keep our mindset in the right place 
And two, listen, we were listening to Tony Robbins. You know, we started the first hour of our day listening to something growth oriented and positive because it's hard being told no all day long, every day. And then, you know, again, I was lucky enough to, to go into this with a business partner that I trusted. I mean, we worked together for 10 of those 14 years that I was at the company. Mm -hmm. So when one of us needed to be picked up and help dusting off, we had that support system. So that was another thing that was really helpful. And whether it's somebody that you have actually in the business with you, or whether it's somebody you have in your life, I think that's a really important part of being successful in doing this is having that support system. But that's really how we did it. You know, we were like, what are the right things to be doing right now? And then let's do those things. <laughs> you know, you make it sound so simple. I know it was hard. I know it was difficult. Everything you just described was, I mean, I don't know what you probably know the percentage of people who would have quit after 11 months or even sooner mm -hmm. than that. And I'm so glad you shared like the growth after three, four, and five, eight figures after five years. For those of you listening out there, what sacrifices would you make if you knew you could do that in five years? I assume that was probably in you and your business partner's plan. You thought you could get there at some point and you did. So other than the, the positive reinforcement that you took on a daily basis, because again, you're basically getting slapped in the face every single day for... <laughs> It sounds like for a year, yeah. that's tough. That's tough to do. I mean, and I could see why some would be like, oh, why did I leave my job? I was getting paid and nobody was bothering me. I was on autopilot. So what are some of the other things that you did to get through that? Because I mean, it sounds like a challenging time for you and your Yeah, partner. it was the hardest time of my life. You know, and I joked, it's not that far. It probably wasn't every other day, but there was at least a couple of drive home a week where it was, you know, like, did I do the right thing? You know, and I'm unlucky. I have a really supportive husband who was like, you've got this, you know, anything you've ever set your mind to doing, you've done. So just keep doing the right things. And, but for me, I'll be really just a hundred percent transparent. I had to take care of myself. So it was fitness. I start my day, you know, so like I have a fitness routine, you know, I have, and that started at the beginning of my journey, I've always been athletic and played soccer and all of that. But mm -hmm. I started running at the beginning of this journey. And part of it was just like, I needed a release for all of the stress. And then it just turned into something that is a major part of my life. And when I feel strong physically, I feel strong mentally. And for me, taking care of my body and my health was really, I think if I wouldn't have been an optimal condition from a mindset standpoint, mental health, because this was a mind F, you know, I'm getting into this. So, you know, if I hadn't been doing some of those things or integrated more of that into my routine, mm -hmm. I don't know whether I would have gotten through it. Honestly, I might've given up, but I found strength and peace of mind through my workout routine, if that makes any sense. It totally does. I mean, I think prioritizing your health and your fitness is super important. Otherwise, you won't have the ability to manage a business, let alone multiple businesses. So you got to prioritize that. And I know that you do. And I wish more people would do it. It's easy to, you know, just kind of go through the motions, the nine to five and oh, I'm too tired. You know, I'm too tired. Well, there's a reason you're too tired. Yep.
Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And I think too, here's another thing, you know, I think with health and, you know, people always tie it to like losing weight or, you know, and for me, it was about how can I be the best version of myself and show up as the best version of myself? Because here's the thing, mm. being a business owner, it doesn't matter what business you're in, you're in marketing. So you have got to, the energy you put out is exactly what you get back. And so to be able to sustain and maintain an energy, that's how we grew the business. We were great at building relationships. And so when the faucet turned back on, it came on with a gush because we did all of that work and we were a positive influence in their life. We were always positive when we were talking to them. We were always, and you've got to be able to business ownership, growing a successful business. It's about energy. And I mean that physically and metaphysically. It's like the energy you put out is what you get back. So if you're super stressed on that call with you know, a prospect, or you're always worried about losing a client, or then they feel that. And yeah. Nothing stinks more than, you know, we always would joke and say, you know, desperation is a stinky cologne. <laughs> you know, so it's like, what can you do to optimize your health so that you can show up as the best version of yourself? Because if you do that, then you're going to get the outcomes. You know what I mean? There, It's inevitable. It will come as a result of that. And if you don't have your health, like nothing else matters. So. Totally agree. I mean. Yep. You want to be around for all the rewards, right? Yeah. And for your family or for whatever else that's important to you, the reason that you're doing this, which yeah. I wanted to ask you, I don't, I don't mean to get personal here. I mean, I'm sure there's a strong why behind why you did what you did and what you went through. And I'd love to hear you share that with everyone. Yeah. So I think a couple of different things. And I think for me, you know, it started with family and it started with loss, you know, and losing Ben to cancer. He was 17 and I was 18. And then having an older brother who battled addiction all through that time frame. You know, so I think for me, it was always, and then having experienced other loss, it's like you've been life is precious. You know what I mean? Like I think we forget because you know, we're just here and we're going through the motions, but like you've got one shot at this. You know, so I do this because Ben can't. I do this because, you know, like my business partner, April, one of my business partners, her dad was in a hang gliding accident when he was in his mid thirties and he became a quadriplegic. So when I don't feel like working out, I use that as inspiration because I'm like, he would kill to be able to put on a pair of shoes and run. So I do it because I can, you know, and I feel like it's my obligation and responsibility because I can. Does that make sense? Totally. And once again, I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing. I mean, this is the type of stuff that people need to hear. I need to be reminded of it because you can. And that's a great reason. Super inspiring, Kelly. I absolutely love it. What does the business look like? You know, obviously this was several a long time ago. What does the business look like now? Yeah. So, you know, and I think this is important. So as a result of Ingenuity Advantage is the staffing firm I have that's focused on engineering recruitment. Mm -hmm. And that's alive, thriving. Well, we have a team. I'm in the optimal situation where I've got a fantastic team that runs it. I've got an operations manager, recruiting managers, all of that. So I'm checking in, showing up for our weekly level 10 meeting that we have part of the visionary for the business, but mm -hmm. I'm not as involved in the day-to-day. -day. It's more you know, vision and strategy that I support with on that. 
But as a result of Ingenuity Advantage, we had those customers who were mostly engineering design consult firms and saying, hey, can you help us find an executive assistant or a marketing manager? And so because we wanted to stay super niched and focused from a brand standpoint on engineering, we started another company called Advantage Consulting Group, which does professional placement. So it places for positions outside of the engineering space that are in the professional, you know, so basically within the walls of an office so that we would have our own brand to recruit under and all of that and wouldn't muddy up the ingenuity brand. So, you know, that business started in, I think, 2013, mm-hmm. I think, or 14. And that's a seven-figure business now. We've got a team that runs that. And everybody's remote now too, by the way. We have our physical location and they go in one day a week to work together and everything. But COVID kind of shifted the way we do things. And so we've got people that are working from home that love it. And so they have the flexibility to work where they want. But And then as a result of this, so listening to your customers, this is you know one of my... You know, and whether you're in a job now, listening to what your customers are saying, because it could be your next great idea. You know, it could be a way that you, you know, are able to transition out of your job and bring additional value that isn't being brought. You know, so listening to your customers is so important. So another thing that was happening and having conversations with these companies that were looking to hire, you know, we do something that we call an in-depth study. So we learn all about their company and their culture and So companies that were having trouble finding talent or retaining talent, there was a common theme. And that theme was leadership issues. People don't leave companies, they leave leaders. And so as a result of that feedback and understanding and learning more and more that these companies needed support on the leadership side for leadership development, one of my passions is coaching, teaching, educating, And so one of the other brands that was born as a result of kind of listening to customers and is connected is a company called Absolute Advantage Leadership. And so we work with companies in helping its high performance training and development, and we help leaders and we do programs for their employees as well. And so that's one of my passions. I do the group coaching and everything, a couple of sessions a month with teams but not necessarily anything I promote really heavily or anything. And that's just a passion project of mine. So many good nuggets here. And I wrote it down and circled it. Listening to your customers, it could be your next great idea. That's tremendous. I just had to repeat that. And that's not just a business owner lesson. That's a life lesson, I think. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and you know, even if you're not quite ready to break away, you know, from your W2, but -hmm. you're looking to become kind of that linchpin employee or, you know, that individual that's bringing more value to their company because you're looking, maybe you want to get a pay increase. Or if you're listening to your customers, you can become invaluable to your organization by, again, being able to identify additional value that you can bring to the customer. So yeah, I think it's just, that's one of the main lessons I've taken in each one of the businesses because it's already kind of proof of concept, right? You've already done some of the research because you're hearing straight from people what their needs are, yeah. you know, and it was simply a lot of this was asking, you know, when we started Advantage Consulting Group, it was like, hey, if we added this arm, you know, and started another business, but same ownership, same processes, systems for getting quality candidates, would you utilize that? And they were like, absolutely. So we started to kind of already build, you know, 
what the model was going to be for growth through doing some of that foundational work. And the same thing with the leadership. It was like, hey, if I put together some programs to help develop your leaders and give them some of the basic foundational, would that be something you were interested in? And they were like, yeah. You know, so it was mm-hmm. like, okay, <laughs> so was, you know, develop something and bring value in some way. Sounds like a simple question to me that you're asking and they're just telling you yes or no, or maybe they'll have a tweet. I also find it very ironic that you stepped away from the staffing business, kind of like, you know, the owners that you had left were doing. So you kind of repeated that. So I chuckled at that when you said that, but that's ultimately what the goal is, right? So, cause you obviously have a passion to build businesses. Yep. Working on businesses. You know, I loved, I worked in the business for years, you know, and I think you have to work in the business to know like all of the, you know, to build your processes, systems, to know the pain, you know, associated with being in that role, who's going to be good in that role. There's an important facet to working every aspect of your business. If you're able to do that, especially when you're first starting out, but I didn't want, have you heard or read of the book E-Myth? by Michael Gerber, I think it is. You know, I have it. I just haven't read it yet. No, it's a good book for those that are listening right now that are interested in making that transition because it talks about the difference between like when you're in a business and you're first starting out, a lot of the time you're in that technician role because many of us take those talents that we learned from our job and we're just doing it somewhere else or doing it better you know, for ourselves. Yeah. And I think that I didn't want to create a new job for myself. I looked at this as a way to, I love building businesses. I love developing people and I like making money. (laughs) And so, you know, I part's nice. um, Exactly. That's a good part around it too. So anyway. No, wonderful. So let me ask you this. You work with a lot of engineers and your businesses that have W2 employees and you're no longer one. You've been free of that for quite some time, but you're still surrounded by it. And we were talking a little bit offline about really how the mental piece is one of the biggest blocks for people. And maybe you could expand on that a little bit because, you know, we weren't on record when we were talking about that, but, you know, people feel stuck in their positions. People feel, you know, maybe trapped by the steady paycheck or again, the fact they have to have the conversation with their boss or, you know, the fear of, you know, not being, I think for most people, the idea of not taking a paycheck for 12 months freaks them out. And I had to go through that when I left my job, we were in that position, but it worked out, you know, and you just have to have a plan for it. So maybe you could, you know, share some insight there because I know you definitely have some. Yeah, no, I think I did have a plan for it. This wasn't something that, you know, was something that wasn't well thought out. And this also wasn't something like I had a non-compete agreement, so I couldn't start to do this. at like, you know how there's side gigs, and everything are a great way to start to make that transition, you know, where you can work a full-time position and then be doing your thing on the side while you, it wasn't an option for me with this particular, you know, so I had to do a cold cut like that, you know, but I planned for it. A, you know, from a financial standpoint, like that was part of my, you know, when I got that cold glass of water in my face, I thought, okay, I know myself. I'm a planner. I like to know what's going to happen. And so I'm like, how do I mitigate as much of this anxiety and fear that I have around, like, what are the things that I'm afraid of? And number one on my thing was money. Mm. It was not having a steady paycheck. So it was like, okay, so if that's my greatest fear, how do I 
help ease some of that anxiety around that. What's my plan? All right, well, I'm going to start squirreling away X amount of money from my paycheck each week going into my startup fund. My husband was part of the equation and he's like, hey, I'll work a weekend, you know, and throw some money into that. Like it was something we were working toward together. So like that was the number one fear for me was that. And then the other fear was that like I can recruit in my sleep. I'm super good at that job. I'd never been an entrepreneur before. Mm. And so I started to do some research to learn, to get some books, you know, some, this was before Audible, (laughs) so to read some books on, you know, entrepreneurship and just wrapping my head around it a little bit more. And so there was a plan that helped transition me to being able to make that move. And so that helped alleviate some of the fear for me with actually doing it. But what we were talking about off, you know, prior to recording, Brian was, One of the businesses that I'm involved in is a company, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I think called Think It Be It out of Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that was game-changing for me, and this was just five years ago, and I wish I'd known this much earlier in my life, was that, again, understanding the science and how your brain works, but 95% of your thoughts and actions each day happen unconsciously, meaning They happen without you even thinking about it. It's basically your autopilot. And what that is, is it's all of these patterns and it's the old stories that we tell ourselves about who we are and why we do what we do. And it's some of that negative self-talk. It's, oh, well, you know, again, it's those unconscious, it's how you brush your teeth without even thinking about it too. Like Mm -hmm. that autopilot is designed because if you didn't have it and you had to think about every single thing you did each day, like even blinking your eyes or breathing, because that's what your brain's job is, you know, you would be exhausted. It would be impossible to get through day. You wouldn't be able to get out your door each day. And so keeping in mind that there's that 5% of your brain that actually is conscious. And it's the thing, it's like, you know, when you, let's just use losing weight as an example or your health, you know, the idea to lose weight happens in the conscious brain. It's the intention that you have, Mm. but actually losing weight happens at the subconscious level. It's your actions and it happens at that subconscious level. So until you start to shift those thoughts and really take control of that autopilot, and it's almost impossible to make change because you keep moving back into that default pattern. And so for me, you know, I think that that mindset, like I want people like, to give yourself a little bit of a break, like because your brain's doing its job. It's designed to be efficient. It's designed to keep you safe and in that comfort zone. So just remembering that. So when you see something come up and you make an excuse, see that for what it is. Oh, okay. This is, I see what's going on here. You know what I mean? These are my old thought patterns and everything. And start asking yourself some questions. You know, the first one I always ask is like, is that true? Is that really true? You know, if I'm having a negative thought, like, oh, what if I lose everything? You know, that was one of my thoughts. Well, if I don't have any money coming in, you know, what happens if I lose everything? Well, first of all, what if I don't? What if I don't? You know what I mean? And would you ever let that happen? No. You know, and again, planning for, I think, just taking those little incremental steps and beginning to plan and take daily action toward 
you know, and even if it's just little small incremental steps, you'll start to build that confidence and some of those new neural pathways where you're keeping promises and commitments to yourself. Mm. And before you know it, you'll be ready to make the move. I love it. You could definitely rewire those downloads and change the way you think yep. in your subconscious, but what, just like anything, you got to work at it. It's just not going to happen, you know, because you want it to, you have to make the effort on a daily basis. What are some of the things that you do or you've done to, you know, reprogram, if you will, so that you've learned to think differently? And number one, catch yourself. I think a lot of people just who have negative self-speak don't even realize it's happening. Yep. So here's where it begins. And number one place it begins with is clarity. You've got to know what you want, you know, who you need to be to get that, mm -hmm. you know, how the best version of you shows up to do that. Like you need a lot of clarity around what it is that you want and why you want it. So that's number one. And I think, and I'm going to go on a little offshoot and then I'm going to go back to your question here. This is important. When you're looking at making this transition, is it something that you're just interested in? Or are you committed to making this change? Because there's a difference between those two. Committed is where come hell or high water, any obstacle that comes up, you're going to find a way. Yep. Interested typically is, well, it would be great if I started my own business, you know, but the first obstacle that comes up or the first thing, the excuses start coming. And again, that's, you know, part of the way that your mind works. But I think you have to get clear about whether this is something you're just interested in because it's too friggin' hard if you're just interested. You've got to be committed to this. I'm not saying that to deter anybody. It's the best decision I've ever made. And I have a fabulous life as a result of what I've done. So I'm not doing, it's wonderful on the other side, but there's a real distinction that needs to be made between those two things because it's hard. This isn't easy. So if you're just interested, go home. If this is something that you're serious about and that you really want, then commit to it and go all in and figure out a way to make it happen and get really deeply connected to your why so that when shit gets hard, because it does and it will, that you're like, okay, why am I doing this again? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so that's important. So let me go back really quick, Brian, and answer your question about how to reprogram that subconscious. Please. Really, it's about you've got to get that clarity and then you've got to feed that clarity to yourself every single day. So we've got what we call the think it be it 12 minute a day technique, you know, and it's based on it's the top application of the top book in the world on success, Think and Grow Rich. And it is applying all those principles of think and grow rich. It takes 12 minutes a day. And it's so, for example, you just said that negative thought, a negative thought comes up. So part of what's in your GPS blueprint in this method is when I have a negative thought, I immediately trigger to something I'm grateful for. That's one of the things that's in my visualization. So that the moment now I read that every morning, I have retrained my brain to not spiral like I used to because I am a, was a worry ward. You know, and boy, the pandemic really like set that off for me again. Mm. And had I not had this method, that would have been really hard as a business owner because we got kicked in the teeth in 2020, you know, with the pandemic and all of the businesses were severely impacted. Had I not had that technique, it would have been so difficult. But it's what can I control? I can control two things I can control my thoughts and I can control my actions. 
So, you know, when I have a negative thought, I immediately trigger to something grateful. Now that happens automatically without thinking for me Hmm. because I read it every single morning. I actually don't read it anymore. I've recorded it. I change it every quarter. I've recorded it and I listen to it in the first part of my warm up and my workout. And so it is rewired that worry wart in me to immediately trigger to something grateful, which bring me back here and present because worry happens in the future. Being grateful happens right now and in this moment. And so I spent a lot of time in the future worrying when 99% of the time, none of that would come to pass anyway. And it was just a huge waste of energy. So it's getting clarity. It's understanding what those behaviors are that are holding you back, figuring you know what's the solution and what's the behavioral change that needs to happen. And then reading that every single day, because what you're doing is it's that reticular activating system. Mm-hmm. You're putting that to work for you too. It starts your, your brain wants to help you. It will start to bring things into your life that support your goals and that support the behavior that you're looking to change. The problem is because so much of what we do happens subconsciously that unless you're reminding yourself every single day, you go right back to the old way to do it because that's what your brain is programmed to do. So you've got to have that clarity and then every single day have those you know, statements. And again, if anybody's interested in this, they can reach out to me. I was going to ask, does this exist? Because I mean, you're just crushing it right now. So this is all good <laughs> stuff. <laughs> so yeah, is this a downloadable thing or just a, yeah, give the listeners some direction on that? Yeah. Well, go ahead and just email me. You can email me directly at Kelly. I'm going to give you my think it, be it one. So just Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y at thinkitbeit.com. And if you go there, you'll see that so much of it is focused on entrepreneurship and that's who our main client base is. Most of you who are listening probably, again, maybe haven't made that transition yet potentially. And so some of what you see there may feel like it doesn't apply to you but email me. I'll have some resources that I'll send you that'll help get you kickstarted in doing some of this yourself. And I'm happy to, it's a passion of mine. Like I love, it changed my life. Once I understood that like, oh, cause I used to beat my, lay in bed and like beat myself up and be like, you've got more gas in the tank. You have more to offer. Why aren't you doing it? Why aren't you taking action? You know? And now I know why. And it's not your fault. Understanding the science behind how your brain works freed me up. And now having the tools to then reprogram that part of my brain, then you do the stuff I do. Like Brian, we met through real estate Mm -hmm. and, you know, so I'm just now getting into that. That's been a dream of mine to get into that. And now like part of my programming is that I make a minimum of 15 calls per day right now. Cause I have to build this business. It's the way, and at a minimum, I've got to be doing that. I've got to be doing the right things that are going to move the needle. And that's it right now. And that's one of my main goals I'm working on for this quarter. And so, but I remind myself of that every single day. It yeah. doesn't just happen. It's got, you have to have a lot of intention around this or you won't do it. It's just the way your brain's designed. I have full belief that you will be making the 15 every day. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's great. No, very generous of you to leave your email. We'll certainly leave that in the show notes. And I would encourage everyone to take advantage of what has just been offered to you because if you can reprogram your mindset, mindset is key, key. And Kelly mentioned something that has been super important for my life as well, which is the shift to gratitude. And that is a constant thing. I have negative thoughts every single day. 
I'm sure they come into your brain too. It does get hard. And gratitude practice has literally changed my life just as it has yours as well. So thank you so much for sharing that. Kelly, before we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts or anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to share with everyone today? Oh my gosh. I would just say that if you're somebody who's on the fence or it's always been a dream of yours to own your own business or that just start taking action. The first thing that you need to do is decide whether it's something you're interested in or whether it's something that you really want and you want to commit to doing it. And once you do make that commitment, start taking those little incremental daily actions and you'll be there before you know it. You know, so and it's worth every painful step. <laughs> you know, we talked a little bit about this too, Brian off, which is just like nothing good comes from just hanging out and staying in your comfort zone. You know what I mean? Like anything, you've got to challenge yourself to grow, you know, and entrepreneurship is a lot of falling on your face. And so having the resilience to pick yourself up, dust yourself off and be, I never look at anything. This will be my parting advice. And then I'll just let you guys get on with your day. Any type of situation that arises, I don't look at anything as failure. And I have, you know, by anybody's definition, failed more than most because I look at it as an opportunity to grow. I'm like, what was I supposed to learn as a result of going through this? Okay. And that helped inform, you know, my direction. And so I think that would be don't be afraid to fail. Failure is where the gold is. It's what teaches you and it's what helps you learn and take things to the next level. So just go for it. If it's on your mind, figure out a plan, do it, go for it, and don't be afraid to fail. Beautiful. I ran out of space on my page to write. So <laughs> failure is golden. So, and you can't fail if you don't quit. That's the lesson as well. Kelly, thank you so much. This has been tremendous insight. I learned a lot. Like I said, I have no more room on my paper. And I'm definitely going to invite you back on the show for sure. Everyone, make it a great day. Thanks, Brian. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the W2 Prison Break Show. Don't forget, you can watch all full video episodes on our YouTube channel. Definitely check that out and please subscribe. Go to w2prisonbreak.com to learn more. If you like this show, please leave us a rating and review so we can continue to support you and the thousands of others planning their W2 Prison Break. Here's to you busting out.